Well, good morning. Glad that you're able to join us here uh, this morning. I thank the Lord that we have an opportunity to speak and uh, that we have opportunities to put things like our worship and these messages online for people. Um, as this week has been creeping along, I was thinking about as a church, what does Jesus want us to know with what is going on in our world today? What will be helpful and encouraging, not only for today, but if the Lord wills, tomorrow, the next day, the next? You know, as uh, human beings, there's something that we all struggle with, either from day to day or from one moment to the next, and uh, I believe that is worry or uh, even anxiety. I've often told my wife, I wish that I wasn't put in situations that caused me to worry. Uh, I've spent several times wasting my night because I was worried about what this person has done, what the outcome of this may be, etc., etc. Uh, perhaps maybe there has even been a few moments in your life recently that uh, you've been worried even this past week. Uh, whatever the case, uh, God's word is true. And uh, God is faithful, and he takes care of his children. To those who follow him, you know, Jesus promised this. And listen to these words in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled nor let it be fearful. You know, Jesus spoke those comforting words on probably the most difficult night he faced on this earth. Think about it. He gave those words the night right before his crucifixion. Seven times in the New Testament, our God is called either the God or Lord of peace. And that peace can be the constant experience, I believe, of every Christian uh, and even in the midst of trials. Today, I want to take a little bit of time, and uh, we're going to look at a portion of Scripture here found in Philippians chapter number 4. And uh, actually, uh, in probably about a few months back, um, we, we briefly covered this portion of Scripture, and uh, I want to pull out a few more things that I, I think will be very helpful to you. And this is what I'd like for you to take away with you this morning. I can find peace in a troubled world. I can find peace in a troubled world. Let's take a look at our text here in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. The Word of God says here, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The first thing that I want you to notice is, Number one, worrying doesn't solve anything. <laughs> worrying doesn't solve anything. 
I can't tell you the number of times that I had been worried about a situation, uh, things that had happened, and I would worry about it. And all that I would do is just think about it, think about it, think about it, think about it. And you know what happened? It didn't solve anything. Nothing good came out of worrying. And uh, notice what Paul says here in verse number 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, if we believe that God's word came from God, and if we believe that it's inspired, we believe that it has authority, then this portion of scripture is a command. And the command is, do not be anxious about some things. Uh, only the things that really trouble you? No, he says, do not be anxious about anything. And so if we are worrying about things, if we are allowing those things to control us, to control our thinking, to control um, you know, us losing sleep over, things like that, guess what we're doing? We're actually sinning against God because God's word tells us, do not be anxious about anything. And so really this is a sinful habit that we need to learn how to how to control and learn how to put off out of our lives. So we need to stop doing that. In the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus made it clear that worrying comes really from, from two sources. Number one, either a lack of faith, or number two, because we have a wrong focus on the things of this world instead of on the kingdom of God. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. And if you want to turn over there, Matthew chapter number 6 and uh, verse number 25. And uh, we're going to look down through uh, verse number 34. So Matthew chapter number 6, verse 25 through verse 34. Look what it says here. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now look at verse number 30. This is very important. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Here it is. O you of little faith. So see, that's that's the first reason why we sometimes are so worried is because we have a lack of faith. Jesus says you have little faith. You have a lack of faith. Let's continue reading here. Look what he says in verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious 
saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now here it is again. Look at verse 33. Why do we worry? Look at this, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And so the reason why we worry is either because we have a lack of faith, is what Jesus said, you of little faith, or it's because we are not seeking the kingdom of God first. We have a wrong perspective. We're looking at everything in this world first. And Jesus tells us that we need to be seeking the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. And so we have a wrong focus many times. What Jesus, I believe, is really trying to hammer here uh, to us is that we are to be seeking first God's kingdom, not our own happiness. If a non-Christian sees you as a believer weighted down with anxiety and care, I don't think that they're really going to be asking how they can have really what you have. I just recently read that there have been people that have took their own life because they found out they had this disease that had that has gripped our world. I mean, people that are so worried about it, either because they're going to infect somebody else or because they don't know how to cope with it. And they've taken their own life, worrying and fear. Uh, the most recent one that I read about was a 19-year-old, a 19-year-old in the UK that took his own life. Now, this is an imperative time that we as believers uh, are living in. I mean, it's imperative on how we live because what God's word tells us here is that we as believers are not to be the ones that need to be anxious or worrying about things. And really, it's for the sake of our testimony of Jesus Christ. Because as we learn how to experience the peace of God by not worrying, um, I believe this will really speak volumes of really what we do believe in as believers. I mean, do you believe what God's word says here? Do you believe that it tells us that we are not to be worrying? Do you believe that the scripture is true, that we can have the peace of God ruling and guarding our hearts? If we believe that, then we actually need to live that out. And we don't need to be worrying about it. And, uh, you know, as we experience the peace of God, even in these troubling times, this troublesome world that, uh, that we have here. And, and by the way, um, if, you, if you're thinking that, you know, okay, once we get past this, this disease, and once we get past, you know, this little thing, everything's going to get better. I, I hope you understand that God's word tells us that, the world is groaning, right? It, it's, it's on a collision course with the judgment of God. And so as we continue to go move forward, things are not going to necessarily going to get better. Things are going to continue to get worse and worse and worse. Man is going to continue to get worse and worse and worse. So what do we need to do? Well, we don't need to worry about it. 
what we do need to do is we need to be seeking after God. We need to be seeking after his kingdom, seeking after his righteousness first, having faith in God, knowing what God's word says, so that way we can have the peace of God. So what does this command say to us? What does this command say to us? Look, look back with me again over here in Philippians chapter number four. Look at the command here, what it's saying. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious. We really need to examine our heart then. Why are you wanting peace? Why are you really wanting peace? If your reason for wanting to be free from anxiety is so that we can live a peaceful, pleasant life, really our focus then is self-centered, and therefore it's wrong. There are many people who come to Christ because I believe they are anxious and they want the peace that he offers, but if they do not confront the fact that they are living to please themselves rather than God, They will simply settle into a self-centered life where they use God for their own peace and comfort. The peace that Jesus gives is allowing Jesus to rule and reign in your heart and live for him, not for yourself. It's not, it's not this thing of like, oh, well, when, when, when I'm having these, these troubling things, uh, I'll just get out God and, and use him to help me. And then, you know, I'll go back living the way that I was living. No, Jesus wants to give us a peace where he is ruling and reigning in our heart. And it's not allowing us to live for ourselves. So why is the reason that you are so anxious? Why why do I get so anxious? Is it because a lack of faith in God? Is it because we desire to live for ourselves in this world rather than God? Whatever the case is, I believe that we need to confess. And uh, we need to confess it as sin. And we need to forsake it. Let me show you a second thing about this uh, passage here. Secondly, live a life of prayer, not worry. Live a life of prayer, not worry. Look here back with me, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So if we're going to find peace in these troubled times, we need to practice a life of prayer. Paul mentions four words for prayer, and each of these really help us understand how we can have peace in this troubled world. Now here are the words, and you can mark them in your Bible if you'd like to. Look what he says here. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by, here it is, number one, by prayer. That's the first word. Second word, and supplication, number two. With, here's the third one, thanksgiving. And lastly, number four, let your request be made known to God. So you have prayer, you have supplication, You have thanksgiving, and you have request. Now let's look at each one of these, and and I'll show you how, how they all work together 
to speak about how we are to pray to God. Number one, the word prayer. When Paul says in everything by prayer to make our request known to, look what it says, we are to make our request known to God. The word to God really means face to face with God. In other words, it means to come directly before him. So when we pray, we must stop to remember that we are coming into the very presence of a holy God. What's awesome is that God's word teaches us that he welcomes us into his presence as a father welcomes his children. How does that happen? Well, it's because of our high priest. If you read, if you read the book of Hebrews, it tells about the high priest, how, how Jesus Christ became our high priest, and now we are able to enter into the very throne room of God boldly, and we are, to come, we are able to come to him face to face, and we are able to, to talk to him. And so God invites us to draw near with confidence to the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace and to help, really, in the time of need. That's, that's what Hebrews uh, 4.16 teaches us. But we must remember that it is to the throne of the universe that we are coming. We're, we're coming to God, the one who, who sits on the throne. He's in control of everything. He's eternal. And we come to him. You know, one thing that I want you to notice is that Christ is our mediator. Christ is our mediator between us and God. And as uh, Romans chapter number 8 teaches us in verses uh, 26 and 27, it tells us that the Holy Spirit who dwells in every single one of us, he is the one that prompts us and moves us as we pray. And he's interceding for us. And so really prayer is, is a personal drawing near to God. And we come near to him through prayer. And so Paul says that if we are going to have peace, he says, don't be anxious. But what should we do? Instead, we are to pray. And we're supposed to come before God. Look at the second thing here, the second word. He uses the word supplications. Now this word gives weight really to the sense of need and also looks at specific requests. When we pray, we are to tell God of our needs. Remember, Jesus taught us that the Father already knows what we need. Remember back there in Matthew, it says that he already knows that you have need of these things, right? So then the question sometimes comes up, if the Father already knows that we have need of these things, then why are we to pray? Why should we pray? Why should we even ask him if he already knows that we have need of these things? I want you to listen to what John Calvin had to say about the importance of prayer. Prayer is not so much for God's sake as for ours. Prayer shows us our total need for God himself and not just for certain temporal benefits. It casts us in dependence on him so that we will seek 
love and serve him while we become accustomed in every need to flee to him as to a sacred anchor. It purifies our desires since we must bring them to God himself. It prepares us to receive thankfully what he gives, being reminded that it comes from his hand. It helps us to meditate on his kindness as we delight in what he has given us. It confirms to us our weakness and God's great providence and faithfulness in meeting our needs. So think about that. God's word says here specifically that we are to pray, but not only pray, but we are to pray with supplication, specifics. And he does that, he tells us that we need to do that so that we will depend upon him. So that we'll realize that everything that we have is not of our own doing, but it's solely based upon the fact that God alone is the one who is sustaining our life. And it really helps us shift our focus from everything that we see in this world and it helps us shift our focus heavenly where we are seeking after the righteousness of God, the kingdom of God. So when we pray, our supplications must be in line with God's will and purpose. In the Lord's Prayer, we learned that the first focus of our prayers should be on God's kingdom and righteousness and only secondarily on our personal needs. Uh, turn over to Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6 and uh, this portion of, of scripture here, we actually use this for our weekend of prayer and kind of working through it and having this kind of be as a model as we pray. Listen to what Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 through 13 says. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done and he says here that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil so this prayer, this Lord's Prayer, these supplications, you can see there, there are specifics there, but it's in line with God's will, as uh, Jesus taught us to pray. Let's look at the third word here, uh, back in uh, Philippians chapter number four. So he tells us that when we pray, we have to have this prayer. We're coming to God face to face. We have supplications. So we're praying with supplications, specific needs that are in line with God's word, seeking after the kingdom of God. But then he sees this word and he says this. He says that we are to do everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. You know, I find that when we're worried or anxious and, and I must say that that I have a hard time that 
when things are going on, things are, are, are troubling times or things are happening in my own personal life, I have a hard time finding things to be thankful for. Why is that? Because I believe that thankfulness is not an automatic or spontaneous response to when things are difficult. You have to do it deliberately by faith. I saw that uh, some of our members were, were sharing praises on Facebook the other day in our, in our group, uh, our group uh, uh, page, and uh, they were wanting to share what God has been done. I think that's great because that's being thankful. That's, that's thankfulness that, uh, that we're showing there. Thanksgiving in a time of trials reflects three things. Now, these are not original with me, but I, I found them to be very helpful to see how we can be thankful. So here's what thankfulness does for us. Number one, remembrance of God's supply in the past. You think back really over his faithfulness to you up to the point and realize that his mercies have sustained you. So you're remembering what God has been doing. You're looking back and you're saying, oh, look, look what God has done. He has sustained me. He's been with me in every trial that I've walked through. He never abandons or forsake, uh, for, forsakes his children. And really, he never forsakes his children. If you read through uh, some of the books like uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs, you can see that God never forsook his children. You read through the book of Hebrews about all those that, that lost their lives for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of following Christ. He never forsook uh, their ch his children, even in the time of persecution or death. So when we are thankful... It reflects us to remember God's supply in the past. Secondly, submission to God's sovereignty in the present. Meaning the fact that God is sovereign. He is in control over everything right now in the present. To thank God in the midst of a crisis or trial is to say, Lord, I don't understand, but I submit to your sovereign purpose in this situation. I trust that you know what you are doing and will work it together for good. You see, we are not just to thank God when we feel like it, but also when we don't feel like it. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In all circumstances. So we are to be thankful. We are to give thanks not only when things are going good, but we are to give thanks when things are not going good. So we submit to God's sovereignty in the present. Thirdly, trust in God's sufficiency for the future. Trust in God's sufficiency for the future. A thankful heart rests upon the all-sufficient God, knowing that even though we don't see how he is going to do it, he will meet our every need as we cast ourselves on him. So we submit to God's sufficiency for the future. So when we are thankful, we are saying to God, look, 
I know, God, based upon the past, based upon the present circumstances, and now, even though I don't know what's going to happen in the future, I know because you have supplied in the past, because you are supplying right now, I know that you alone will be sufficient for me for the future. And so a thankful heart really rests upon that. Now let's look at this last word in this text here. So you have the word prayer, you have supplication, you have thanksgiving. Now here's the last word, and it's the word request. Let your request be made known to God. Now this word really goes hand in hand with supplication, specific prayers. So request and specific prayers, they, they, go, they go hand in hand here. But the word request here is really emphasizing the specific prayers to the Lord. So often I, I would say that our prayers are very vague and general, that we really couldn't know whether God had answered them or not, right? In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus gives us some definitives to prayer. Listen in, uh, in verse number 7, Matthew chapter 7. The word ask is the same word for request here in Philippians. Listen to math, Matthew 7, 7. Ask, that's the word, ask. That's the same word as request. So we are to ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Now, Jesus really walks through this passage and he goes on to illustrate the point by saying that if a boy asks his father for a loaf of bread, the dad is not going to give him a stone, right? There's a specific request, a request of saying, asking, Father, can I have some bread? That's a specific request. And what is the father's response? Is he going to give him a stone? No, the Jesus tells us that. No, he's not going to give him a stone. If he asks for a fish, there's a request for a fish. If he asks for a fish to eat, the dad won't give him a snake. And so Jesus concludes all of this by saying this in Matthew 7, 11. If you then, being evil, think about that. Jesus himself calls us evil. God is the one that God is the only one that is good. And he says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? You know, I think about that. And for those of you that have children or, or have had children growing up in the home, you know, your, your child uh, comes to you and asks you a specific request. Can I have? Can I do? Can I? And, and, and we know that if we know it's not good for them, then, yeah, we're not going to allow them to have that or to take part in that. But if we know that it's good for them, I mean, if, if my daughter came up to me and said, Dad, can I have some milk? Um, am I going to say, no, you, you don't need milk? Because um, I know that milk is good for her, right? So I want to give that to her. And so God's word really tells us here that our Heavenly Father knows 
what is good to those who ask him. And he gives it to us. And so really, during this whole time when we are seeking out peace, he says that our requests need to be very specific. And so the point is, ask the the Father, make your requests known, and if it's for your good, he will give it. Sometimes we fail, I believe, to ask because something seems too trivial or too small to trouble God about. But if it's big enough to make me anxious and worry about, I believe it's certainly big enough to ask God about. So how can we find peace in a troubled world? Well, we come to God recognizing that, look, he's in control of everything. We're coming to him face to face. We're coming into his throne room. It's through specific, thankful prayer that we ask these things. Now notice what the result of following these scriptural commands is. Look at this, number three. The peace of God surpasses any circumstance. Look at verse number seven here in Philippians chapter number four. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What Paul is talking about is the peace that comes from God. It is God's peace that will be given you. Remember what Jesus said? The peace not as the world gives, right? So there is a peace that the world has, but it's not a peace that has lasting effect. It's a false peace. It's a false security, a false hope. But the peace that God gives is a peace that he says here will guard your hearts and your minds, and it surpasses all understanding. Now, if this is God's peace that will be given to you, I just want you to think about that just for a moment. How can God give us peace? How can God give us peace? God's peace is perfect. Is God ever worried? Is God ever anxious? You see, what we have to remember about God is that he is sovereign. He's omnipotent. He's the creator. He's the Lord of the universe. Nothing takes him by surprise. Nothing. He's never up there biting his nails, wondering how it's all going to turn out. You see, this is the peace that Jesus promised us, not as the world gives it is the peace the god the peace that god gives is real and it gives us just what we need because it is his peace it's not a worldly peace but it is his peace now note that this peace look what it does it stands guard over our inner being our inner person because look what he says here verse number 7 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your what? Hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, that's all inward. Heart and mind. The term heart really is used to refer to our whole person. When you look through God's word, the word heart, it's referring to our whole person. And minds is our specifically our thoughts. And so in a time of trouble, troubled times that, that we're seeing or that even if you're experiencing, you could, you could allow your mind to really get carried away and your heart become afraid. And so what God's word tells us here and teaches us is that if we allow the peace of God, if we are asking and we are requesting the peace of God to rule and to reign in our lives, it will guard our hearts and minds. I want to give you something that I think will encourage you and give you hope really for troubled times. If you know Christ, you are in a permanent union with him. If you are following the scriptural promises here in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, that in order for anxiety really to get you, so if, you are, if you're following what God's word teaches us here, and you are seeking after God, you are making your requests known to him, you are specifically asking him. God's word says here and tells us, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's not a hope, that's not a it's not a thing of like it might. It says that it will. So I want you to think about this. Kind of picture the peace of God as being like, uh, like, like a soldier or uh, somebody that is standing guard over your heart and your mind. Now, we're talking about God, right? The one who is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's in control of everything. So here is God, God's peace, and it is standing guard over your heart and your mind. So if you're following God's, God's teaching here and it's guarding your heart and mind, guess what? In order for anxiety or worry to get to you, it has to go through the peace of God. That is if we are really following what scripture teaches us here. So what God promises us isn't just a quick fix Prayer will bring you calm until you get through the crisis. It will allow a calmness to be in your life until this crisis is over. Paul is talking about an ongoing, deepening, intimate relationship with the God of peace. Where really... We seek to please him with all of our thoughts, our words, and deeds. And so really in a time of trial, we can draw near to the God of peace. We focus on his grace. We pour out our heart to him. And the result of that is his peace will stand guard over your heart and mind. 
over these next few days and weeks, if you find yourself without peace, I encourage you to obey the word and allow the word of God to shape your thinking and your habits. Let's pray together. Our Father, I thank you so much that what your word teaches us is true. Lord, I thank you that your word tells us that if we do these things, then there will be a result. Your word is not just something that is just made up. Your word is truth. Your word has power. It's sharp and it's powerful like a two-edged sword. It's like a hammer which breaks the rocks into pieces. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, we as believers, uh, if we are finding ourselves as being anxious or worrying about things, that, Lord, I pray that we will seek you. We will seek your peace. And, Lord, not only is this a troubling time for uh, our world, but in reality, things are going to continue to get worse and worse and worse. Because we know that you are coming back. We know that uh, from what your word teaches us that all of creation is groaning. There are these birth pains that are happening. And so things are going to continue to get worse. And so we do need to believe your word and to follow your scripture. And we need to seek you. And so, Lord, I pray for our church family. I pray that as believers, we will seek you, that we will encourage one another. We will be thankful people. We will be people that seek after the kingdom of God, that we will seek after your righteousness. Father, thank you so much for being a God who cares and loves us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. And I love this promise that you will, the peace of God will stand guard over our hearts and minds. Thank you for the truth of Scripture. I pray that you continue to be with our church family throughout this week. I pray, Lord, that you provide their needs and that you'll walk through them every step of the way. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus, that we pray all these things.